Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, thanks for joining us for a new episode of the A.J. Bruno Show. My guest today is Danny Tarkanian. He's a businessman, ex-attorney, and seasoned political candidate from Nevada, currently running uh, for Congress there. Hello, how are you? Hi, good. I apologize for the misunderstanding or mix-up. No problem. Uh, We're glad to have you on. Uh, So uh, before we get into politics, I want to talk a bit about your background. Um, You, of course, come from a legendary basketball background. Uh, What was it like growing up around that? And uh, despite being drafted by the Spurs, what made you ultimately chart a different course other than basketball by becoming a lawyer? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, You know, I've been asked that question, what was it like growing up under, uh, you know, as the son of Coach Jerry Tarkane, and probably more than any other question in my life, I I just don't have a different answer. I, I, I don't know I don't know how it would be otherwise, so I can't compare it. It seemed normal to me. Uh, people obviously knew um, uh, me through my father, and they were following the team, and they'd always ask about uh, the run of Rebels and so forth. I just thought it was something that was normal, and, and, uh, it, and uh, it was certainly uh, enjoyable because uh, there was interest in my dad's profession, and, and certainly they were having exciting teams, so there was a lot of excitement around the questioning. Uh, I certainly do understand, though, because you see the the people um, rise into the top and then quickly fall into the bottom, how uh, quickly things can change, and you don't take anything for granted. Sure. Um, So you then decided uh, to go back to basketball as an assistant coach at Fresno State for years. Uh, What was that experience like, and what made you determine to go full-on into politics rather than continuing with the coaching career? Yeah, I was uh, actually, as you mentioned, I went to law school and I practiced for seven years. I just didn't enjoy being a a, a practicing attorney. I didn't enjoy sitting behind a desk writing up documents. I wanted to be more active and more um, uh, interchanging with with people. My father got the job uh, after about a three-year period from when he left UNLV. He got the job at Fresno and knew it was going to be his last uh, uh, coaching stint. And um, I wanted to be there with him and uh, um, be a part of it and, and help him any way I could. And when he retired in 2002, I believe, or 2001, his last season, um, I, I didn't have a desire to continue coaching, uh, at least as an assistant uh, at that level. I just got married and had a wife. You just don't make a lot of money, and you're gone all the time. I'd always wanted to get into public service. My mother was a city council was a um, school board member, then a city councilwoman, and uh, I've always followed the p- political spectrum since college when Ronald Reagan was our president and a really great governor in California, Governor George Duke Mason was, was there, and um, they were my inspiration. But I never felt comfortable talking in front of the public. I've always had a, a, a fear of speaking in public, which is not good for a politician. No. So I put it off. But you know, I got to be in my uh, early uh, 40s, and I said, if I'm going to ever do what I really want to do in life, i got to get over that fear. So I threw my hat in the ring and, and got into some... Uh, uh, tough political races, but uh, uh, it was what I wanted to do. 
Sure. So as you move to pursue some of these political aspirations, uh, what experience do you think best prepared you for that? Uh, was it your time in law or something else? Uh, for the campaigns or for public service? Both. Well, for the campaigns, I think what prepared me the most was my um, um, sporting uh, experiences, um, mostly basketball but some in football growing up because campaigns are uh, really just very, very um, – intense competitions uh, they have some different rules i mean there's basically no rules <laughs> it's like all <laughs> bars balls out ball you can go out and do say anything you want and you get away with it but it's uh the competition that um distinguishes it and uh i was uh, learned you know work ethic how to handle adversity i also learned unfortunately but because it was tough growing up this way i, I learned how to handle criticism from not only myself at myself, but others around me, because a lot of the national media criticized my father because he took a lot of at-risk kids and brought them into this basketball program. So I learned how to handle the criticism that is so prevalent in the, the political uh, uh, arena, and I think that helped a lot too. But public service is something I got more from my mother, and as I mentioned, those uh, two uh, role models of mine, uh, uh, not only um, President Reagan, but uh, um, George Duke Mason and Senator Paul Laxalt here in uh, Nevada. Uh, I thought what they were doing was one of the greatest uh, use of of one's life, making positive impacts for other people in uh, your, your city, county, or, or country. And I thought that was a great way to to um, um, you know make a living and 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 leave a lasting legacy. No, I definitely agree. So in your in your last race. Two years ago, you came extremely close to winning but came up short. Uh, what lessons yeah. did you take from that experience that you hope to apply this time? Well, the first thing I learned is the most important thing I learned is you need to respond back to um, these, and I'm going to use the word defamation or defamatory ads. They're certainly deceitful and dishonest. We didn't do that last election. I had won a defamation lawsuit in 2009 on, on some uh, spurious attacks against me uh, in a previous election and the lady I ran against in 2016 she ran the same ads and uh, we didn't respond to them our national consultant and polling company said the ads weren't hurting me and if we responded we would give a credibility so we didn't and we end up going from leading most of the race to losing by one percent so this election when they come out with these type of ads and they'll probably change them up a little bit but they're going to still be uh, dishonest ads that's what they do in politics uh, we're going to respond like, George, like Donald Trump did last election. We're not going to let one attack go on, uh, resp not responded to, and uh, we're going to come back and hit harder. Uh, the second thing is, you, you just uh, we got to we got to make sure we have a better ground game and get more people turned out uh, on our side to the polls. In the whole state of Nevada, the Republican Party uh, didn't get their people out. Uh, there was a splint between the top of the GOP uh, leaders who came out against candidate Trump and the rest of the, the voters in Nevada on the GOP side that wanted to see President uh, candidate Trump in office. And because the top of the, the GOP in Nevada was against him, they didn't come out and vote for anybody else, including myself, on, on, on the congressional uh, ballot. Oh, that definitely has a negative impact all across the, the ballot. So I agree. Uh, your your original plan, though, was to run for, for Senate this year, but uh, you refocused to run for Congress. Were you personally called and asked to do that, or did you consider the su yeah. suggestion after an endorsement was made publicly? 
Yeah, that's a great question because I was going to run for the Congressional District 3 seat again, the one that I lost by 1%, and I was getting prepared to do so. I was the only candidate, in, federal candidate in Southern Nevada that supported candidate Trump in the last election. Uh, Dean Heller, the senator, was against him, came out and uh, was a never-Trumper. So while I was preparing to run for the congressional race, Dean Heller came out and voted against the uh, repeal of Obamacare. So the Trump supporters in Nevada, they uh, recruited me to run against Dean Heller. They said, we need, President Trump needs somebody in Washington, D.C. Uh, on the Senate side that's going to support him, and Dean Heller won't, and we know you will. So I got into the Senate race, and we were doing very well. I, I thought we had a real opportunity to beat him. But I got a call first from President Trump, and we missed each other, which to me that was just an honor to have him a left message from him. And then he had his political cons- um, manager, the new guy he just hired, um, call me up and tell me that uh, basically he said, I just got off the phone with President Trump. He's on Air Force One. Uh, he would like it as a personal favor uh, to him uh, for me to drop out of the Senate race and run for the congressional race. It, we would be able to win both of those seats. It would help us maintain control of, of both the Senate and Congress, and we can get the America First agenda passed. Uh, I did not feel that was a, the, the right decision because I had a lot of people that had invested time, energy, and, and money in, in the uh, me and my uh, Senate race. I didn't want to let them down. But when the President of the United States and the leader of your party asked you to do that, I, I thought that was a right to, I, I felt I, I should do it, and that's why I switched from the Senate seat back to the con- congressional race. Mm-hmm. So looking forward, uh, which issues do you think are most important to Nevadans and for Americans at large that need the most pressing level of attention? Well, I think the people uh, all throughout the country are concerned about the immigration uh, situation. Uh, They want to see the borders protected, whether it's with a wall or uh, some other type of technology that we can maintain uh, strict control over who's coming in and what products are coming in and to keep the contraband out and the bad people out. so that's something that, and that, and then you got to revise the rest of the, the broken immigration system, meaning the chain migration, where we're allowing third cousins to come in and uh, other relatives that are uh, distant relatives. And uh, we need to implement e-verification, uh, where employers have to verify the, um, the legal status of everybody that they employ to work for them. Uh, so I think that's a big issue. I think national security is a big issue. You see so many uh, things that are going on that could just one of them that. Uh, flips over can really affect the entire world, and with North Korea and with Iran and and so forth. So those are the, those are issues. The issue that mostly uh, people care about the most, but I think they're so happy with it right now. It's not as pressing, but they certainly don't want to see a change, and that's the economy. Uh, for so long here in Nevada, from 2007 to basically 2000 and maybe 14, 15, we were really, really struggling. There high double-digit unemployment, um, uh, highest foreclosures in the country, bankruptcies were one of the top in the countries. we got it going now, but we just don't want to see it turn back around. We don't want to see um, the, the um, progressive approach of more burdensome regulations and higher taxation and longer uh, waits to build, get uh, projects built uh, to take effect again because we saw how damaging it was to uh, the Nevada economy. No, I, I can imagine that. And um, getting back to the first issue you mentioned, the immigration one, uh, one thing, there's always talk about you know, potentially building a border fence. I think that a high-tech electronic fence on the border would probably yeah. be the best way to go, but there's not a whole yeah. lot of attention paid to that. What's your view on that, and how would you approach the issue? Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think if there's some areas where a, a – 
real border uh, uh, wall is the best approach, and then, then yeah, let's do it. But it's, it, it certainly can't be across the entire border. There's going to be areas that that isn't, and it may be just as efficient and, and more cost of, uh, uh, effective to uh, do what you just had said uh, with the respect to where we're at te- technology now. Uh, we can create um, the same type of security at a much lower cost. I just don't think it sounds as good as rhetoric, and that's why people aren't talking about it. It's it's a political issue right now that uh, both sides are are on. And uh, the, when you say build a wall, it resonates with people. Or when you say we're not going to build a wall because we're, you know, that's not our type of country. That's what the progressives say. Uh, that 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 resonates with their voters. So I think this is more of a political issue. But when we finally do get this thing done, we got to use whatever's best uh, technology-wise. No, I, I would just hope from a practical point of view. They would say, you know, on the other side, on the left side, they're pointing out that, you know, they don't want to have a physical barrier, but why not do the same thing, you know, uh, with technology, and then what's their complaint at that point? So I would think that's a way to get around it, but they don't really seem to be using that. Well, that's a good suggestion and something that I think a lot of us that are running should be uh, possibly using for sure. Uh, one thing I like is your support for term limits. Uh, there are so many career politicians who entrench themselves in power and have to be dragged out of office, if ever. Yeah. Uh, what are the chances this problem can actually be fixed in the near future? Well, if you get the right people in Congress, you can, it can be fixed because for this to, to be passed, you would need to vote uh, for it in Congress and get it passed. And then all you would need is two-thirds of the states to ratify it. But if Congress themselves passed term limits, what state would vote against it? I mean, they, they said, hey, right. Congress themselves think it's right. So I think it'd be, it's something that certainly is feasible. The problem is you get people that go back there and they love the power, prestige, and influence they have and the glamour they have in, about being a congressman or a senator. They don't want to give it up. They don't do what's best for the people. See, that's, that's what public service is about. You serve with the best interest of the public, not what's in the best interest of you and, and too many people in Washington D.C. have it backwards. You just got to get people back there that are uh, that understand. We need to make the right decisions for our country, not us personally. No, I agree completely. And, and one thing which they've really dropped the ball on: uh, we now have over 21 trillion in debt. I mean, the, the irresponsibility yeah. of this is just almost unbelievable. How can yeah. we possibly get rid of this mountain of debt at any point when we keep spending ourselves and even more of it? Yeah, it's very, very disappointing. The uh, ominous bill that was passed was, uh, you know, considering we had control of Republicans in both the Congress, Senate, and the White House, it's inexcusable. Um, we're not going to get into control if we don't make tough decisions. This is what happens, though. Every time you make a suggestion to cut something, the the left will demonize you as you, you're against whatever it is you're cutting, as opposed to just making real good common sense decisions of what's most important for our country and what's not. Uh, they, 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 there was no concern on the people on the left of, of just of our monetary system and the currency and what's going to happen i'm a big believer and i don't you, you understand uh, the supply and demand issue how you can continue to print money like we've been printing money and when that gets released into our uh, um, uh, economic system how that is not going to have skyrocketing inflation and devalue the dollar and when it devalues the dollar who gets hurt the most the poorer people that have less money uh, it's the wrong thing to do, and we need to get there and make some tough decisions and get it changed. Now, what they're doing makes uh, completely no sense, like you said. And I think both sides have really failed on this, and it would be nice yes. if yeah, you know, someone would just push them to actually be responsible on this issue because it's just going out of control. It absolutely is. 
Sure. So I think that's probably our biggest biggest long term issue. Uh, it's it, that is 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 what's going to happen to our currency. It's a, it's a serious problem for sure. Uh, I'm more on the on the social side. Uh, you're also pro life, of course, and uh, we're one Supreme Court justice away from overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, what are your expectations and hopes for this issue in the near future? And what would you like to see? And would you like to see a human life amendment as a possible solution? Well, I am a firm believer that life starts uh, at conception, and um, I feel the most vulnerable of of anybody or the unborn children that have no voice in what's happening to them. And uh, I'm going to be a staunch defender of theirs any way I can. Great. And you're also, of course, opposed to radical leftist views being pushed in our military. I'm, I'm really concerned about things like the don't ask, don't tell policy and sodomy ban being lifted. Uh, do you think it's realistic we can put the moral values back on our armed forces that we've lost over the past number of years? You know, I, I don't know if we could put our uh, get back to the moral system that our country was was uh, built upon uh, in today's society as a whole, let alone just the military. Um, I, I believe you know the people that are running the military have got to have say in how it's run and what's in the best interest of their, their soldiers, and I support their decision making process and getting the political um, um, divide out of it. Mm-hmm. No, it's just been so politicized in recent years, and despite what the you know, the top generals and the, and the Joint Chiefs said it didn't seem to matter, particularly in the last administration when a lot of this was being done. And I think it's just a, a real travesty because once you lose the military, that says a lot about the rest of society, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, our right. society is, I mean, it's amazing how far we've gone. Uh, and, and to question it, you're, they, they, uh, we're just demonized on the other side. i got three young daughters, and that bathroom issue where – you know, they're, they're saying, well, if somebody identifies as a opposite sex, even though they have um, the body parts of, uh, of a different sex, they can use the same bathroom as my three daughters. Uh, and I just think that's completely wrong. And how our society got to that point, I can't understand. No, and um, yeah, I think the whole thing is definitely getting spiraling out of control here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, another issue which the, the government's really failed on, I think, is uh, the continued denial of the Turkish uh, genocide against Armenians, and that's one, of course, which yeah, which is, you know, you hold close. Um, yes. We've tried to skirt around and dodge this, and until recently it seems that, you know, Turkey's been considered such a treasured ally of the U.S. Uh, how do you reconcile American values with the unwillingness of the government to boldly proclaim and condemn this as the horrible act of genocide that it was? Uh, you you got to get somebody in office that understands uh, that it's important that these things are recognized so they never happen again, even if it causes short-term friction between what is perceived to be allies, and I'm not even so sure how close allies we are with Turkey. Every president campaigns on the promise that they're going to recognize the genocide and they get in office and they're persuaded by whatever um, special interest group is out there to say, hey, we can't do that, we can't make Turkey mad at us. I would just tell you, from my standpoint, it's it's very important. My grandmother escaped the army, the the, the Armenian genocide. She was a very young girl when the Ottoman soldiers rode into the village. Her mother sewed coins in her dress, put her on a horse, and got her out of the village before her father was beheaded. While he was forced to watch his eldest son beheaded, and then he was beheaded. The rest of the villagers were were herded into a church and burnt alive. How we fail to recognize that after a hundred years is disgraceful. 
No, it's it's absolutely terrible. And do you think this administration will actually do that, or what are your expectations with that? Well, President Trump said he would, uh, and um, he made a a movement in that direction, but not far enough. So I I, I don't know. I I, I I don't think anybody who has a personal interest in like uh, a family member, like I mentioned, um, have any high hopes right now. No, no it's terrible. Uh, what are some of the, the foreign policy issues that you're most concerned about for the country right now? Well, I, I mean, obviously the the, the uh, North Korean situation is very important, but even more so than that, I think the Iranian situation. Uh, we we just cannot allow them to to get a nuclear bomb, and we've you wait too long. We're going to be in, in a worse situation than we are now with Korea because uh, Iran has already made it clear they wanted to uh, wipe Israel off the face of the earth, and if when we defend Israel, that's going to be a nuclear war between the parties if that uh, takes place. No, no. Well, with North Korea, there's a talk of that summit coming in the next few weeks. Who knows if that's going to actually happen? Um, but I don't think you can trust anything they say, and uh, that's the problem. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. No. Uh, with, with North Korea, what, what, if you were making the decision, what course of action would you suggest with that? Because especially. Now, if we were to consider a military option, they have so many missiles aimed at Seoul that it would be catastrophic. So it's it's such a you know quandary up there. Well, that's the problem because we've already allowed them to get the the, the, the technology, the, the nuclear technology to to just destroy millions of people, and now it's hard to stop it. Uh, it's hard to prevent that militarily wise once they already have it. Mm-hmm. No, that's for sure. So you have a a primary coming up. Uh, is there anything you want to add about that and uh, what it will take to be successful both in in this and then hopefully in the general election? Well, the primary, I should be in really good shape. I mean, we did some polling be- a few weeks ago. I was up over 20 points. I We did some polling just yesterday, and I was still up over 20 points. Unfortunately, you know, I get some opponents that um, just go negative and try to uh, – Again, they they just they say can say almost anything, and it's not true. But it ends up being believed by some of the voters. And uh, when they when you experience that in a primary, it carries over some to the general election, and that's what we're trying to prevent as much as possible uh, right now, so that we come into the general election full at full strength. The general election is going to be a bloodbath. Um, the Democrats have targeted this as one of the top races in the country. I, I believe the Republicans have also, and. Last election, it was the most expensive race in Congress. Eighteen and a half million dollars was spent in it. Almost all of it was in negative ads against me, at least from their side, and we had to respond to them. We just got to do a better job responding to them. We got to get a better job of getting our voters out to the polls, and if we do, I think we're going to win. Well, that hopefully will be the results. Um, I'm a bit, a bit concerned with Nevada as a whole, though, because obviously this was a state you know that trended more to the red, and then it's been going the other direction. So do you think that's just a reversible trend from some sort of failings from a you know strategy point of view, or what do you make of that phenomenon? Well, there's so many Californians that are coming in in Nevada, and they come in and they leave California because they don't like what's going on there, and then they come here and they vote to keep the same type of government out there, and it's ridiculous. It is a trend towards uh, being blue. It certainly isn't there now. If you look at the uh, non-presidential elections, Republicans have always done much better than Democrats, but every presidential election, the Democrats do better. They turn out voters at an alarmingly high rate during the general elections. They haven't done it yet in a a non-presidential year, but there's a lot of important races here in Nevada this uh, cycle, and I anticipate they're going to do everything they can to get a turnout like they did in the last presidential year. I can imagine they would do that, but... um... 
Great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add and um, you know, let people know well, before I let you go? Sure. I just you know, if you want to learn more about me, I'm one of the few candidates. I put up all my policy positions on the website. Uh, you can learn more about my background. Uh, you, if you go to the website, it's tark t a r k n v dot com. So tark t a r k n v dot com. And uh, if you email uh, the website and have a question, I answer virtually every one, or at least as many as I can get to. Great. That's something I wish more more did because a lot of you know, campaigns, or especially when you're elected in office, it's almost impossible to get a hold of anyone, and so it's good to yeah. see that you do that. Yeah, I agree with you. Great. Well, it was a pleasure to speak with you again. Uh, I hope you have a great success in the, in the primary coming up and after that, and I hope I can be helping, be helping flipping that district this time around. That would be wonderful. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Me as well. Take care. Bye. That was Danny Tarkanian, uh, candidate for Congress in Nevada, and um, so we covered uh, a lot of a lot of issues. And uh, hope you got a lot out of that. Learn more about him and, and some of the problems occurring today. So uh, once again, this is our show for now. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode, as usual. Uh, guest to be announced, so be sure to stay tuned for that. And don't forget to follow the Twitter account as well. That's at Reagan Worldwide, at Reagan Worldwide. You can get lots of interesting information from there um, and learn more about the show, past episodes, present, future. And, of course, lots of uh, good conservative and other uh, tidbits are on there as well. So, uh, until next time, this has been AJ Bruno, and so long for now. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.